Hey, beautiful, multidimensional, bright, shining, heart-centered soul fam. Welcome to today's Ceremony Circle podcast journey. For anyone new to the show, I am your host, shaman, and author of the best-selling book, Animal Power, Allison Charles. And I want to let you know that we are now entering into the closing episodes that close out an epic season two of Ceremony Circle. I want to thank each and every one of you for saying yes to your own expansion and sitting by the fire with us for every episode. Your presence and magic are felt, and it's precisely in that space of leaning into our own evolution and inner work that we can be of greatest service for this planet and all of the worlds beyond. So thank you for being with me for two potent seasons of Ceremony Circle. And in these last few episodes of season two, I decided to bring unique medicine ways in. You'll either be entering into a space now where you'll actually hear me being interviewed on other amazing podcasts, or you'll be graced with a weekly divination card reading episode from my Animal Power card deck, which is officially released August 16th. I am so proud of it, so excited for you to experience it. And if you already have my best-selling Animal Power book, know that this Animal Power deck is the perfect companion for it. I actually designed it that way, so I cannot wait to hear about the magic that happens for you when you work with both of them together. All right, well, it is good to switch things up every now and again. So with all my heart, I hope you enjoy this momentary change of pace for these last few episodes of season two so that we can all gather together and bring in some new energies into the Ceremony Circle space starting in September when we'll be back with our fiery season three. It's gonna be our best yet. So until then, you're now entering into another dimension. So kick back, enjoy today's episode, and I'll see you on the other side. Animals present all the time trying to get our attention. You'll, you know, just hear of one or see one over and over again. And it's like, take note of that. It's trying to work with you. Go into the book, do the practice, speak to it and ask it why. And then also in dream time, animals come in a lot of times through that. I love that they're spiritual allies that also live everywhere in earth. So they're such great teachers of not taking for granted the information and healing, you know, capabilities and medicines that are always around us. But we have to return back to that presence and that honoring reverence and take note of the animals. That's Allison Charles. And this is episode 425 of the Wellness Force podcast. Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. How can we bring awareness and reverence to all the little mundane elements of our life and begin from that platform of sacred relationship to the self to begin to orient towards others in that same way? If you felt bad with the last millionth of a second, well, let go of the things that were making you feel bad that millionth of a second and be new right this millionth of a second. If you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. 
Hey friend, it's Josh Trent. This is Wellness Force, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence so you can live your life well and thrive in this modern world. If you haven't done so, wherever you are, hit the subscribe button where you're listening to make sure you never miss another free podcast every single week, right to your phone or computer or wherever you're listening. If you want to be coached directly by myself and join our Wellness Force global community, just head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. Today on the podcast, I have a big question for you. Are you an animal person? Do you love dogs, cats, birds, or even deer, elk, or panthers? What if I told you that every human being on earth has a direct connection to the spirit of animals and that if practiced and honed over time, you could actually use the guidance and navigational power of the animal spirits to help guide you towards wholeness and wellness in your behaviors and in your life. If you feel into it, it feels true, doesn't it? I mean, how many times have you felt loving connection to your pets, to animals in nature, to nature herself? It's easy to forget that we are nature and we've allowed ourselves to become so disconnected from her. And is it so hard to believe that animals can bring us back around to the calm wisdom that nature is wanting to give us every day. If you've ever been curious about animal power and animal spirits, today we're diving deep with a one-of-a-kind, world-famous author, speaker, and podcaster who makes her debut on Wellness Force to talk about her new book, Animal Power, 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. My guest today has become a true friend here in Austin, Texas. We recorded here in the Wellness Force studio. She's an internationally renowned shaman, best-selling author, and host of the Ceremony Circle podcast, who went from being a national champion athlete, top-rated radio host, and national daytime talk television host, to bursting through her own personal and spiritual thresholds after a traumatic moment provided her awakening to practicing the shamanic arts and becoming widely known across the globe as the rock star shaman. And at first here, you might be like, rock star? <laughs> Isn't that somebody playing a guitar on the stage? Well, when it comes to my guest, she actually combines those earth elements of rocks and stars to bring her medicine to the world, who shares these teachings and transmissions to very large audiences, which allows the energy of nature to go places that perhaps it is needed the most. She's been a leading pioneer in this work, taking it to places that it's never been before. Her name is Allison Charles. And today on the podcast, you'll learn Allison's journey of surrender and trust that opened doors for her and allowed her to trust her internal guidance system to learn from some of the most powerful teachers and spirituality in the world that you yourself will be able to mirror and begin your own journey towards. We'll talk about the practice of candle gazing, how this meditation is used to connect with the heart center and sacred grand fire. We'll also talk about Allison's experience as a competitive athlete and a talk show host that shaped her into becoming a shaman. We'll explore what shamanism actually is in a world where spirituality unfortunately gets commoditized. Allison's going to share with us the truths and the myths of this ancient art form. And we'll talk about the Black Panther, the animal on the cover of her book, and why it's her core power animal. Allison's going to share how you yourself can find your power animal and how this energy of nature can help you transcend your personal limitations. We'll also dive into what trauma and obstacles can teach us and how Allison navigates difficult situations in her own life. She'll share the practical wisdom of how we all can face traumas, teachings, and initiations. So essentially, we can hold a stronger, all-encompassing space and just be at peace within ourselves. Allison, welcome to Wellness Force. Thank you. It's such an honor to be in your home. And on the way here, I was reflecting how 
I thought, huh, the last time I was in this setting with Josh, our lives were very different. Very different. You were living in a different place. I was living in a different place. And now we both are somewhat neighbors here in Texas and you have a child. (laughs) So good to be where we are now. I know. It's like we're pages in a book and the book is called Life. And all these words we write, do they mean anything? except for the meaning we give them, we're going to go deep today. Great. Like I love, I, I have so enjoyed researching you oh, cool. and, and just understanding this book mm. a little bit, mm. which maybe we can actually do something where you reflected to me about the elk mm-hmm. that you felt in me at, at Carrie's uh, birthday party. Be happy to. But this is the book. This is what we're talking about today. We're not going to talk about just the book. We're going to talk about you. Okay. you got a deep story. There's a lot going on with you. You know, what was fascinating <laughs> is it's the rock star shaman. And at first glance, I was like, rock star, what do you mean? Like, like on a stage, like playing an instrument. And I bet you people get that wrong about you a lot because it's not, it's not about you jamming out with a guitar on a stage. Uh, this is the rock and the star. So two totally different elements. Yes. Um, let's start there. Like if people don't know you, it's your first time on Wellness Force, mm. uh, the rock and the star and the yeah. shaman. Connect, connect those three for us so that people get your vibe. Yeah, I'm happy to. So, okay, let me just tune in for a moment because there, with all of these themes, there's a lot of threads that go in. So let me just find the threads that want to be spoken to today. So that name actually downloaded in pretty quickly after I had my divine intervention, spiritual awakening moment. And those two things were simultaneous for me. So my life got turned upside down, everything changed, and I was still really in the fires and throes of that upside down uh, reconfiguration period in my life. And I was sitting with some sisters and really being vulnerable. I feel it even right now in this moment, actually, Mm. and just sharing very openly about what these initiations and rites of passages and fires were feeling like. And, um, yeah, it was while I was sharing that, that that name downloaded in, I had my eyes closed and I was just kind of, I don't want to say channeling, but just stream of consciousness, letting it out, how I was feeling, um, and what was taking place in my life. And that name came in and I felt the gravity of it and, To be honest, at first, I really had a slight pushing away from it because I could feel the bigness of it, the energetics of it, the boldness of it. It's a pretty bold name, rock star. It is, especially when I'm also um, instructed to use the title of shaman after it. You know, those three together, it does lend for a pretty powerful punch of an impact for some people. Um, For others, you know, uh, they can feel other essences that are woven in, whether it's my purity, integrity, things like that. So it lands a little softer, but it really hits people in different ways. Mm And, um, and I could tell that it was going to do that. So when I went home from that gathering, I really sat with this, uh, assignment and name and I was leery of it. And so I called one of the sisters again and I said, gosh, you know, this is landing and I can tell that this is something being given to me, but I really wanted an outside perspective because, I did not want to be walking forward on this path from a place of ego. And um, so she really sat with me in this conversation and she tuned in and she's a trusted sister. And she said, you know, Allison, if anyone else were coming to me with this exact question, 
I feel that I would probably say, you know, I'm not so sure about this. You might want to do some work around this, but she's like, for you, it's a resounding yes. That's what I get. But I still, um, and Luke will tell you this as well, when it comes to integrity checks, um, and I'm not necessarily proud of this, but I, I go pretty overboard with them. He called it the other day. Um, oh God, I wish I could remember the phrase he used. The integrity detective. Um, just the fact that I go exhaustively into them, um, that he's like, it almost tune, tunes into that previous athlete in you that just pushes too hard with it. But you know, I, I understand that, but when you're walking the path of a shaman, um, I would rather err on that side than to not do enough integrity checks. <sighs> so good. Yeah, yeah. That leads to the exact question I was going to ask you, almost like you knew, almost like you have intuitive powers, which I know you do, but this industry, this spiritual world, it to me doesn't always come across as completely genuine. Yeah. And, and I, I feel your breath right there and I, and I, I've had some very challenging experiences with spiritual leaders or people that call themselves uh, spiritual beings or even shamans. Um, my audience knows that I had a really rough, uh, difficult experience with ayahuasca in Costa Rica because maybe I didn't do my diligence. Mm. Maybe I wasn't the detective that you've built over the past, what, 20 years or so. And so let's talk about this. Like in the spiritual world, mm. how do you decipher a trusted mm. spiritual mentor and how do you maintain the integrity of the ancient wisdom? How do you, how do you keep really watch over the sacredness of the word shaman and of the word spiritual teacher? Yeah. Um, I'm glad we're going here, but even the question alone evokes a, almost like a purging sense and feeling inside of me because there's so much to this question. So let me just tune in again. Um, and I also want to say just to button up that last story that when it came to that name, Jesus is my main love and light guide this life, this lifetime. So I did go on a shamanic journey specifically around the intention of understanding the assignment of that name of that medicine name and called Jesus in to talk with me about it. And he was emphatic and he was saying, this is why you're here. So that is why I decided to um, accept the name and the responsibility that comes with it. And it was a whole, it's been a whole journey um, over, over a, a decade in terms of working with the energetics of that. So I just wanted to button that up. But, yeah, that's um, a nice big button. Yeah. So with, okay. So, hmm. You know, there, there, there is this kind of allness portal around this very specific question because there's a lot of dynamics at play. If someone is feeling a, an urging of their soul to um, evolve and they can just tell there's something bigger for them and they're feeling a desire to lean into shamanic practices um, I'm a big person. I really live through surrender and I'm also, I am, I am pretty big with intention. So if you're feeling that desire to lean in, I always recommend like starting from a place of sitting at your altar or sitting in your meditation in the morning 
and speaking to whoever it is you work with. For me, it's great spirit, great mother earth, and the divine wisdom, love, light, and power that is me and lives within me. I live in that vertical line. That is the rock, great mother earth, star, great spirit, shaman, heart. Mm. That's the vertical line I live from. And so I always speak um, my prayers uh, from that place and, and, and speak them from a place of surrender. You know, I am communicating my readiness for this and willingness to lean into this work. I ask that you show me the way that will serve my highest, greatest earthly good. And when you start from that place of surrender and allow and invite in the co-creative essence that lives outside of you and outside of per potential ego or mind decisions, and you access into the unseen realms and the divine support that lives outside of there, that's the place that you can most trust then the whispers of the wind that come in or when you bump into someone on the uh, on the street and you happen to hear them talk about uh you know a, a fire ceremony or you know what whatever's going on or you go into a metaphysical bookshop and um there's an event flyer when you're operating from the willingness to have divine guide you that's the place uh that you can feel the most trust. Of course, there's also trust within yourself, but mm -hmm. I do find that that can take a while to build that muscle to really, truly be in complete trust that your navigation system is not one moving from projection or wounding or trauma or fear or, or uh, external validation or wanting to quote unquote, keep up because, and that's why when you ask that question, I could feel the enormity. And that's why I said it's the <laughs> allness because there's infinite threads that go into this possible one decision of leaning into this most ancient healing art and for me, when it comes to facilitators, uh, integrity and embodiment are the two biggest things. And, you know, everyone is different. Um, but for me, because I've been doing this work for so many lifetimes, I, again, really trust. And I'm also a seer. And so I can really pick up on where people are at within themselves, how willing they have been to face their shadows, if they're cut off from um, a lot of things within themselves, or if they're truly integrated and landed in, in divine wholeness. And um, I will just say that there are, of course, tons of different types of ceremonies. Mm -hmm. And I was on my shamanic path and working as a shaman um, for many years without having any plant medicines called to me. And so I always like to bring that in as well because I was able to access into my true calling and spiritual gifts uh, strictly through, you know, my surrender and Great Mother Earth and the, and the instructions of Great Spirit. And so there, you can go that route. There's tons of shamanic ceremonies that I have facilitated. I've, I've guided thousands and thousands truly of people um, strictly through my drum or my rattle, taking them into different dimensions and realms, um, meeting their guides, meeting their power animals, things like that. And then, you know, then there's types of more mild ceremonies like cacao, you know, which for me is actually very potent and powerful. But when you compare uh, its immediate um uh, experience to like peyote or San Pedro or things like that. Um, that's why I kind of classify it as more mild. So then you're tuning into, um, do I feel at this point it's more strictly soul level 
work or is it, is there a spirit of a plant calling to me? Um, or is it a, a divine being on the other side that's wanting to come in and, and access and, and work with me? Last night I was having an experience. Um, I can tell there's a different angel entering in for me and also a dragon. And that was just happening last night. And so that's where my current focus is. So then it's really getting clear on what type of energetic medicine is going to be most supportive of me. And then once you get clear on that, if you feel you need to work with a shaman or facilitator or spiritual teacher, then it's, again, opening yourself up to be led to that place. Because I always like to tell people, is it your mind or the divine? Mm, We pause right there. Wow. Okay. Everything you just said is a whole podcast of its own. I know. (laughs) You asked the question. It's beautiful. I like to ask big questions because that's where my mind goes because I am constantly reconnecting head to heart. Yes. I'm constantly trying to, I'm in the effort of not being efforting when it comes to my heart yes. guiding me, Yes, whether it's in relationship or with my son or with my business or in my friendships, like that's where I'm at right now. And I know that many people that are here with us, they're probably in the same space mm-hmm. because my calling isn't to be a shaman. Mm-hmm. My calling is to have radical conversations that uplift our energy so we can be more intelligent. And I don't feel like intelligence has anything to do with how smart I am. Mm-hmm. Like true intelligence mm-hmm. is my ability to gather what you're saying. Can I apply what you're saying? And then most importantly, can I embody it? Mm -hmm. Because that's what we're all wanting. Mm -hmm. That's the deep desire of everyone. We want to embody these things. So this world of spirituality and shamanism, it can be, I think, heady at times because they're not following what you talked about, where it's like getting clear within yourself, like almost like the um, the compass you were talking about, the navigation system. Mm -hmm. I remember being in the shower when I was first like diving into spirituality and I was listening to Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks. And she'd always talk about the internal guidance system. And I was like, the fuck is the internal guidance system? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like, what even is that? And what I found was it was something that only came when my mind wasn't spinning. I had to be really still. I had to be in nature. Like there's certain places that we must go either physically or from a heart basis to turn down the volume of the default mode network. So we're not just like spinning all day long. So some of the concepts you introduced were wild and powerful, but if somebody's already feeling resistance to those, how do they get still enough? How do they tune into their own system, their own guidance system, so they can really take in what you're saying? I think it does begin with what you already just touched on. It's the heart. And I also agree that that is our most potent and powerful and wisest intelligence system. And that's the place that I'm always um, aiming to live from is, is my heart guidance. And so, you know, a lot of these practices that I share, they're truly the simplest, just of the salt of the earth practices And I have found that those are truly the most potent and powerful. So before I even get out of bed in the morning, I, you know, I'm not touching my phone yet. I'm actually not even fully awake. I'm just entering into, although there are actually a lot of spiritual teachers. I love this concept of questioning, um, you know, in, in this state that we're in right now, you know, it's taught and viewed as like, this is the waking state, right? We're awake and we're talking, but a lot of people believe that this is actually when we're sleeping and that uh, yeah. when we're asleep is when we're actually awake. But anyway, so I'm kind of in that half and half uh, state and I place my left hand on my heart and I still have my eyes closed and I just tune into my heart. I start each day right there and I ask my heart, how are you feeling today? 
And she will always answer, you know, sometimes it's like, I feel a little quivery and shaky. I feel a little fear. Okay. Where's that fear coming from? What are you feeling scared of? And it just begins this trail of just a few questions. It's not like you have to spend 20 minutes doing it, Mm. but within two minutes, one minute, you can understand like the state of your heart. And sometimes I'll be, um, I actually kind of go through a system. I'll start with my heart and then I'll ask my physical body, how are you feeling today? What do you need today? Then I'll ask my mind, then I'll ask my soul and spirit. And so I start from that place every single morning of really, really checking in and tuning in to the energetics and information of all the dimensions of my being and self. And I'll ask all of those parts, you know, what do you want to do today? Um, You know, what will serve our highest, greatest good today? So I think learning to start there, because just from that one practice alone, you will learn how to trust yourself and you'll learn how to trust those, those little pulses and hits and zips and zaps and, and, um, slight wafting, subtle energy body waves that come in all of the ways in which our being tries to, tries its best to guide us and inform us. But unless we give them a chance to talk and um, give ourselves a, a moment to be present, we can just spin off. And a lot of that's unconscious, right? But if you are someone who has been avoiding uh, facing certain aspects of yourself, whether it's shadow aspects or childhood traumas or anything that you know when you go there, it's going to be wildly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If you've been avoiding that, I would say there's a pretty high chance subconsciously or consciously that you get into busy distract mode to anything to avoid sitting there and being there. Our society is built to to take that in, right? Whether it's like shopping or overworking or porn or sex addiction or alcoholism or drug. I mean, fill in the fucking blanks. There are so many things that are like, it's almost like wolves on the ready that are just ready to devour somebody who doesn't trust their internal guidance system, Mm -hmm. who's completely spun like you talked about. And unfortunately, like our society is truly constructed that way. I don't think that that's the only thing that's out there, but it's definitely out there. And we all can fall into it. Like you, you came from a very, very, very athletic background. Mm -hmm. Your dad was your coach. Mm -hmm. He, he took a really big role in your life that formulated a lot of things that would play out, including the 16 year relationship and and go on and go on, which I want to, I want to go into. But what was really fascinating to me is how you were able to connect the dots. Mm. Not everybody can connect the dots. Mm. So what is it about your soul? I'm fucking willing. Okay. I'm so willing. Why? Why Why are you so willing? I'll tell you why, because when you go through a divine intervention where you have been resisting the truth of your being and the truth of your traumas, and you have been living with the veil so tightly covering your third eye and living so tightly shrouded in ego and denial, once all of those systems get obliterated and you are forced to see the truth of yourself, I can't ever go back to untruth and denial anymore. So I'm just, I have learned and trust me. And even in the last few weeks, I have multiple times been brought to my knees and and been taken into truly some of, if not the darkest places of my life. But I trust myself now. I've gone there and there and there and there and there and over there and down there so much and faced it all so much and felt it all so much and been brought to my knees so much. I know the dynamics of the alchemy 
me and I know how to work with it to learn and feel everything that's needed to feel. And once I have felt all the systems fully and received in and accessed in, like I'm just so willing, show me what I need to see, teach me what I need to learn. Tell if there's a blind spot, bring it to the forefront. I'm ready. And when all that information comes in, it can leave you completely raw. You can be in the wildest discomfort of your life for weeks or longer, but it's always worth it because you learn to trust yourself to, to navigate that full spectrum of emotions and feelings. And you also learn that once you get yourself through that portal of that incredible initiation or fire, there's something magnificent. And I mean, that's it. That itself is magnificence and miracles. It just doesn't necessarily quote unquote feel like it. Mm -hmm. But when you walk through and you're devoted to walking through the fires in that portal all the way through, you don't stop quarter, you don't stop half, three quarters, you fucking go all the way in and all the way through. You will feel when you pop out on the other side and I can feel that three week situation I was just in. I'm, I'm three to four steps out. It hasn't fully landed. I'm still configuring what the heck all that was, but I did it and I know I did it and I know I've exited out on some other side of something massive. So I just, I, I cannot allow myself to go back to denial it brought incredible suffering, mm -hmm. incredible anguish. Um, and I was completely out of alignment with my entire purpose for incarnating. And when you're out of alignment from that place, everything else is out of alignment. The relationships you choose, the habits, it's all a mess. You told uh, many people in media that when you were young, even when you were in running and track, I think you were a long distance runner. Yes. That you would get this seer mm. mentality and you would get this seer heart connection. And it would come on, but you didn't exactly know what to do with it then because your dad was coaching you. And it was a very kind of high pressure experience where you were expected to perform. So in that space, there wasn't really a lot of room for the seer to come online, but yet it was still there. And I've heard this from many people on the show. Like they have these gifts that come up when they're five years old in their room yeah. and they know it's online, but they kind of just push it away for decades maybe. Yeah. So what was the point where you were like, I'm actually going to hug and embrace this seer inside of me, regardless of what's going on? Oh gosh. Okay. Hmm. It's tuning in one second. Well, you know, when I first had my awakening, the clairaudient gift was the first one that came in. I could hear the instructions of spirit and that's what led me to the moment where the veil lifted. And then in the weeks after that, it was the clairvoyance and divine was showing me like a movie, my entire life, but in truth and illumination. And that'll wake you up over and over and over again. And, but when it comes to the seer gift, that's a very, very specific and pronounced gift that I have. And to be honest, a part of the last three weeks speaks to exactly this question because my seership ability and the level of responsibility I'm to take with it and the instructions I've been given by source over the last five-ish months are for me to go to the next level with that. 
And because I know it's a huge responsibility to have this gift and because I do these exhaustive integrity checks and because I know if you do not engage in this dynamic with someone from the purest place, it can cause a lot of undue harm. I mean, it can cause a lot of, a lot of harm and a, and a lot of additional trauma because if you're bringing up to someone, um, because with my seership, I can really see people's blind spots, shadows, limitations, how they're holding themselves back. Right away? Sometimes, yes. I can tell you, and Luke can vouch for this. I, you know, it's, it's not that I'm going into gatherings or situations trying to see. It's just, it is perhaps the strongest gift I have. So even as I'm just chatting with people, I can really read their greatest pain points. And, um, I previously was only operating under the, uh, feeling that unless I'm invited in, unless someone comes to me and says, Hey, I heard that you have this gift. Do you see anything with me? Yes. I do not speak to it, but what I've been instructed lately, um, to do is to speak up more, even if the, um, person isn't coming to me. And so I've been trying to find my way with what does that look like? That's challenging. Cause how do you do that and still be humble? How do you come across as genuine and not like the person who's telling the person what's wrong with them? Right, right. Just walking around like an egoic, arrogant, yeah, like, like... I know everybody's shit in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... um, I'm still landing in the clarity. And I think, you know, when you and I see each other in a week, you know, at some gathering or how you know, how we do here, I'm going to have a clear answer for you. I can tell it's coming yeah. in. And I think this angel and dragon are playing a part in it, but it's, it's a huge responsibility. I just want to acknowledge, like you really feel your answers. Mm-hmm. A lot of times somebody will sit in this chair and they'll kind of speak and then get to what they really want to say. I love that you take a breath. Like you go, hold on. And that's a dying art form, mm. like to actually be in conversation and feel what you're going to say. I have to catch myself on that. That's why I'm so deep into breath work. Mm. That, that check in process of like taking a big breath through your nose, feeling like we, we had some tobacco and you were like, you know, when I get something that hits me, I, I feel it in my womb. I feel it right here. Like that sensitivity, that intuition, that is something that you have to craft over time. And mm-hmm. I'm curious how you feel like, does that always have to come from pain? Does it, does our intuition and our sharpening of our senses, does it always have to come from pain and that contrast or can we get it another way? Can we get it besides the pain? Let me tune in and see. <laughs> uh, hang on. I mean, and, and I will just say that th- this, this is, this way is, I'm not trying to say this is the way for everyone. And this is the quote unquote, like correct way, but it is what is right for me. And this is how I'm choosing and divinely designed to live because I made an oath and a commitment and live in devotion to living from the calls and instructions of the divine. And so that's why I do those pauses and check in because I don't want to be answering these questions from my mind. I want to be answering from the divine place. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to regurgitate answers because especially now the energetics are changing so effing fast and every freaking layer of possibility on this planet within all living beings that my answer yesterday is most likely not at all going to be the answer today. So I just, you know, that's why, but um, with honing in, on inner navigation. Okay. It's two part. And the answer came in pretty clear. So let me just find the human words for it here. So 
I do not think that the only way you can have access to your uh, intuitive gifts is, is by, you know, going through pain. However, where the next piece of that comes in, where walking through certain initiations and committing to doing shadow work comes in of great services is still that kind of that piece that we have been um, weaving through in this conversation. Because Mm -hmm. when you get an intuitive hit, if you're not to the place of fully trusting yourself, that intuitive hit could have components with it that are projection and that are other pieces. Mm -hmm. And so if you are someone who has um, not gone through uh, some challenges and not faced yourself in full, then you're going to cut that part off of feeling into that intuitive hit. Because I always ask myself when I'm working with students or whatever, when I get a message I then, after I get the message, I still, even though I fully trust myself, I still go in and do the ask, is this a projection from any place of me, any, any particle of what I have experienced in life? Um, is this coming from anything else other than pure divine? And if there's a higher propensity of you not doing what I think are required checks, there's a higher propensity of you not going there and not fully allowing yourself to see in truth if those things are at play, if you have not gone through some shit and if you have not faced your shit. Yeah. So you can be intuitive, but there's a a whole other world that lives outside of that. Let's pause on that because yes, pain is a teacher. And in my life, one of the most radical, amazing, beautiful teachers. But in the moment I'm like, fuck this pain. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Yet what I heard you say, and, and tell me if I got this right, was that it doesn't always have to be the teacher. Correct. So there's other parts of the journey yes. that can teach us that have nothing to do with pain. What exactly are those parts? The parts that can teach you that aren't painful? Yes. Well, it can be, I mean, the word, you know, joy is coming in, but let me see why. So joy can be a teacher. Of course, you know, because there is a thing too, when you are walking the spiritual path and, you know, they don't call it the hero's journey for nothing. It's effing, it can be so challenging, but you know, there also is a bit of a, a thing that can happen where one can kind of get attached or linked into without fully being aware of it, this system of like intensity and seriousness and feeling like the only way you're making progress on the evolutionary path is if it's like daunting or a fucking initiation. Holy shit. I've fallen into that. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, because, and, and it's understandable because the, there, there is so many treasure chests within there you know, and, and it can be so, um, those flames can be so engulfing and, and alchemizing and life changing, um, that it's understandable that we can think like, well, this must be like the way, but when you allow yourself to also expand into, um, you know, the allness and the, and like, it's this, and there's this whole other side of like, euphoric bliss and joy and, um, 
ecstatic feelings. Uh, they they are our informers too to remind us of what's possible and that we can expand infin- infinitely into that side too, and that things can truly get better and get better more and more and more. So it's yeah, and, and all of these things. It's like it's it's all it's an infinite path that, that never ends. I will forever be a student. And it's an infinite, beautiful dance too. So if like you're realizing, oh gosh, I think I'm doing some of that stuff she's saying, great. You're meant to sit here in this conversation with us for a reason. There's nothing to beat yourself up over. It's all simply about uh, it being earth school and being informed Hmm. and you receiving the hit that you're supposed to get in the exact moment. Yeah. It's a school for souls. Yeah. And we're all learning these lessons. What's the difference between truly embodying the lesson? Mm-hmm. Is it our will? Is it a sacred contract? Is it something magical? In other words, like we all have a purpose. We all have, like you said, you were called to do this work and you were, you were out of alignment mm-hmm. with, I, I forget how you said it, but it was like a sacred calling to yes. do what you did. And you're like, my will is so strong. I will not deny what I was brought here to do. Right. But a lot of people never get to that place because they miss the little checks of embodying the lessons along the way. Right. And so for people that are like, Allison's really, really grounded. Allison has a lot of wisdom to share. How do you begin to work with people when they're at that first question of like, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody that is literally just beginning, no matter what age they are, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter what age you are, as long as you have the desire to yeah. love and to live your purpose. So when you have people that come to you like that, where do you, where do you begin? I mean, of course, you know, and you already know this, like every person and every path is different. So when someone truly comes to me with that question, there's a whole, you know, accessing in and feeling in, um, that I do to understand for that particular person and for where they're at, what is their starting point? Um, but let me see if there's just some, you know, kind of tangible, more earthly advice for those who are wanting to lean. Okay. Yeah. So sacred grand fire just came in. So I view the fire as the original shaman of all of infinity of all the universes. Like fire is the original shaman and it's one of my um, greatest teachers. So that's who just presented for those who are wanting to begin to embark, or perhaps you've, you know, that, that spiritual path, hero's journey path, maybe you've opened the door and you've taken one step in, but you can feel, because oftentimes when you start to step in, uh, you're in a, a most powerful precipice point of potentially collapsing an entire old world and a system and paradigm that is kind of all you've known. And you can start to feel the pulsings of this whole other infinite dimension of divine truth starting to enter in. And it, and it can feel, uh, there's kind of no word for it, but it can feel huge. And feel like death of some sort, yeah, of course. like a death. Yeah, yes. Cause it is. Oh my God. I've, I've died so many times and certain aspects of me have died off so many times. And so sometimes when you're there then, and there's no necessarily, I'm not saying this is bad or wrong, but some people turn and run back and shut the door. But if you're wanting to keep going forward, the fire just came in. So I would invite you, of course, if you have a fireplace or a fire pit, 
um, to create, you know, a pretty substantial fire so you can really sit with it mm. and, and ask sacred grand fire some questions. I mean, Hey, if you're going to consult anyone on your next steps on the journey, go to the original shaman of the universes. Um, but I also do uh, candle gazing. So at my altar, even just with the tea lighter or, or a smaller candle, light the flame, sit with it, allow that flame to enter into your heart center and then gaze, gaze at the flame. And it is wild. If you do this practice, like the flame will change colors. It will start like I've seen visions of beings and animals in there. It will. And then when you start, once you feel that connection with the flame, once you start to ask it questions, it will talk to you. It will communicate. So that's what just came in for whoever's sitting with us on this day. If you want guidance on next steps, consult Sacred Grandfire. And you speak from experience because when you were going through your transition, your awakening, uh, you had to, you were a personal trainer, by the way, in college, which I love because yeah. I was a trainer. That was my background. Oh, funny. Cool. And your client came in and she was like, um, Hey, I think you should be a co-host with me. Yes. And you always knew that you were going to be in media in some way. Yes. But along this journey, like when, when did the tools start to really come in? In other words, the, the sacred grand fire mm -hmm. and maybe the peyote or mm. maybe just the breath or mm. opening up your heart? Like, was it when you were in media? Like, mm. when did that really start to gel with you where you truly embodied them? Yes, that's a great way to, to <clears throat> end that question. So I can do this succinctly. I know I can do it. So with what you touched on with my upbringing with the athletics, very intense athletics and my dad being my coach and, and me feeling at a very young age, like two and a half, three years old. Okay. This is a decision point. I can either keep all of my spiritual gifts, seership online at the demise of my relationship with my dad. And I love my dad. We're good. He's a great being, but like a lot of humans, yeah. he was operating from a lot of unresolved trauma. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of blind spots in him that even as a tiny little girl, I could see. And so not only was he my dad, but he was my coach. And I was running every day, sometimes more than one time a day, you know, to the point where I was two-time national champion. So this wasn't just like, I say that because you get the intensity. And so I decided, okay, I'm two and a half. I need to have this relationship with my dad. I'm going to have to put my gifts on like 1%, but I kept them alive enough. There was my soul, thank God, didn't shut it down completely. So in my time in athletics and in my time, you know, hosting a hip hop, you know, radio morning show and hosting a TV talk show, I was still always drawn to metaphysics. So even on the hip hop morning show, I would be the, I would invite in psychics and I would do dream analysis on the show for callers that would call in. So I wasn't awake yet. And I was still in a lot of denial and suffering, but I was just always in that um, soul resonance with all these practices, mm -hmm. studying feng shui and how to read palms, but it wasn't embodied. Mm -hmm. So where it started to get embodied was of course, after I had my awakening and I also like to share, I didn't make a mind decision that I wanted to become a shaman or that I, that I had a goal of doing what I do now. That was never there not from the mind. I started my journey from a place of fucking dropping to my knees and sheer humbleness and humility and saying, I clearly don't know what the heck I'm doing. 
I don't even know who I am at this point, who I thought I was, I am not. Because mind you, two-time national champion athlete. I also, for many years, was a division one college coach. I also was an advanced certified personal trainer. I also, for the uh, daytime television talk show, it was a wellness-based talk show. Um, so I, I thought I was really well. I'm doing all of these things in the wellness and fitness industry. And when I woke up and saw the truth of being in a codependent um, relationship and allowing my body especially to be dishonored and abused every day for almost two decades, there were so many additional awakenings where I was like, I am not well at all. And so I just got on a quest to heal and whole myself. And it was in finally and getting out of my own way and getting in devotion to facing myself in totality. It was only from that place that my soul could get to a place of readiness to then begin to activate and turn on and inform me of who I really am. So I was simply answering the divine blueprint and encoding and soul level calling of being a shaman that I popped into earth with, but it was always lying dormant. I couldn't have been, I mean, there, there are some shamans that attempt to operate, um, from a place of, of, um, not truly being awake and not truly facing themselves. And it causes a lot of pain and a lot of disaster. And that was mm -hmm. not an option for me. So, um, what was the question? Wow. The question was <laughs> what you answered. Okay. And the question was, when did these things start to come in? Yeah. And you took us on this beautiful journey. So if somebody's watching this, great. If somebody's listening to this, maybe listen to that again and close your eyes. Because one thing I love is like, this used to be Wellness Force Radio. Now it's Wellness Force Podcast. I like radio because when you close your eyes, you can make up your own story about what someone's saying. And we're all making up our own stories all the time. All the time. All the time. Like stories you, just you, everywhere. you even referenced earlier, you were like, some people think this is the dream state. And when we go to sleep, that's actually the awake state. And, and it begs this big question. And that is reality is what we make of it. So if reality is what we make of it, then how do we construct the most loving, beautiful, vibrant, explorative, yes. soul aligned yes. reality yes. that we possibly can? You that's, quit, that's the bomb drop you, question for no, you. And I'm going to give you a bomb drop answer. You quit blaming and projecting and judging. And you realize that it's... The, that truly nobody knows what the F we're doing. And I love um, one of my dear friends who is a Taoist shaman. I had him on my show, Ceremony Circle Podcast. And um, we go way back to when I lived in New York. So I've known him for many years. He's a dear brother. And uh, in his heritage and in, in the training that he had as a shaman, he wrote down on a piece of paper, um, I forget the language if it's Korean, uh, but in his language and his native language, the word shaman translates to, I don't know. <laughs> I love that so much. And so <laughs> it's just, just keep laughing and keeping it all in check and realizing that, you know, this is the wildest ride, especially yeah. incarnating at this time for yeah. this grandest show on earth. Mm. And the more that we can remember, even when you get into potential, um, and there was a high propensity, I don't know when this will air, but and just in the last month, especially there was an even stronger propensity than ever of even the most conscious beings getting entangled into pain body dances and trauma dances with people. Mm. 
And so even when you find yourself into situations that you don't typically find yourself in anymore and you're just like, damn, I thought I was past that. It's, it's doing your best because when you get locked into those systems, it can really freaking entangle you because when one pain body is fully activated and it snags another, and let's say you're just fatigued or exhausted and going through your own stuff and you just don't quite have the reserves to stay out of the dance that you normally would have. And you get pulled in Mm -hmm. when you find yourself in there, just do all the practices you can, because If you get looped in, you might be in it for a hot minute, but just remembering, go up like the eagle or the hawk and just try to get that more expanded, bigger picture view that you're in this dance with someone for a reason. And there is a teaching in there for you. And, you know, just being the medicine of it, it, that, that I think is one of the biggest keys is just viewing situations like that as, um, even though you might think that that person's at fault, uh, you're in that dance for a reason. So there's a teaching for you. You guys decided to get into this entanglement together for a reason and there it's, it's medicine and viewing it from that perspective allows you to the best of your ability to not like judge and look outside of yourself. It's like, okay, there's something for me here. I need to ride this through. Mm -hmm. This will end at some point. Um, So yeah, I think those are just a few of the key words that will help the the greater health of the functionality of humans and the planet um, just anywhere and everywhere is watching the judgment, projection, and blaming pieces. I love that you said the shaman. <laughs> what was it in Asia that said the definition of shaman is I don't know? I don't know. It's, it's powerful because uh, Webster defines shamanism, a religion practiced by indigenous peoples of far northern Europe and Siberia that characterized by belief an unseen world of gods, demons, and ancestral spirits responsive only to the shamans. And then, of course, this is another academic explanation here from Botanica. Shamanism, a phenomenon centered on the shaman, a person believed to achieve various powers through trance or ecstatic religious experience. And then this is interesting. I love this one, shamanism.com, an ancient healing tradition and moreover a way of life. It is a true connection with nature and all of creation. Mm -hmm. That one hit my heart. The other two, super heady, super academic. And essentially this one here, the shamanism.com, it really hit the the mark on what you said. Like, I don't know. Nature is so fucking beautiful. Like there's so much beauty in nature all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't know why death happens to people early. We don't know exactly why some people get sick. It's all this like magic scroll that we're reading Mm -hmm. and we're all trying to make sense of Mm -hmm. it. So how do you make sense of shamanism? What is shamanism to you? Yeah. I mean, um, the word shaman does originate from Siberia and it can translate to one who sees in the dark. So that part is, is true. Uh, are you asking, um, how I best try to describe or define shamanism right within your heart? Uh Cause that's where you lead from. Right. Or that's what you do your ultimate best to lead from. I'm sure you have moments where you're not in your heart. Right. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, so from your heart, like how do you how would you articulate from your heart what shamanism really is? Mm. Yeah. So, yes. So shamanism holds within it the truths across all time and all ways of both the planet and all the universes. So shamanism holds within it the totality 
of all that is across all time. And it truly is a planetary practice that is about oneness and acceptance and unconditional love. And it does hold within it an invitation for all beings. It's, it's, it's a planetary practice. You know, it's my belief um, that it began in Africa and that the first beings who understood uh, the pr- simple and most sacred practices of connecting with Gaia, mm-hmm. speaking to the animals, connecting to the whispers of the wind, honoring great spirits, sending the prayers up in smoke, drumming to call in rain, you know, all these different practices. Um, they were the original shamans. They just didn't have that word attached to it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until it migrated, I think, through, you know, the Mongolians and then it made its way to Siberia that then that word from Siberia came into play. Which so- is a whole another, excuse me, it's a whole nother fractal etymology. Yeah. The meaning of words, the history of words, totally. why we choose words to mean a certain thing. It's, yes. It's wild. Yes. So I had to throw that in there too. Yes. Yes. And I, I have a lot of shaman friends who have not been given the divine instruction and assignment to use that title. Um, some are operating very covertly and don't say anything about it. Some call themselves a shamanic practitioner. Mm. And then I've got, uh, you know, shaman friends that operate from different lineages and they have their own word in their native tongue that means shaman, but they don't call themselves shaman. So it's a whole thing. Um, and I was instructed to use it and to really hold that space as a woman shaman, which has been a whole interesting journey in its own. But essentially, uh, while every single shaman is different because there are some that operate like me, I, I also had on my show, um, Dr. Maria Mbuni, who is a shaman from Africa and her shamanism functions very similarly to mine working directly with great mother earth and great spirit. But then I have other colleagues and friends um, who take sacred oaths for certain traditions like the we Radica tradition. And that is their lineage. Like the, the, oaths and the rituals and the ceremonies and the plant medicines that align with, with that tradition, like that is their line and that is their walk. Uh, so every single shaman walking the earth is completely different and completely unique, but at the heart of it, we are all adept at walking between two worlds. I am here and I am very grounded. Thank God I am very much of this earth and I am a Capricorn and and I'm here and I'm real and I'm down to earth. But I am been incredibly fortunate to be gifted and and blessed to be able to just as easily access into, you know, what people would call the unseen realms, but they are just as real and seen to me. And the last little thing that I'll say um, that's been most important to me, again, with the allness and the totality, like that is our job and our main assignment, in my opinion, is to is to go into that allness and totality with ourselves because it's only from that place that we can truly hold a pure, sacred, safe space for others to navigate those, uh, you know, foreign terrains within their own beings. And when, and when a shaman does not commit to that, um, that's, that's where it can get really hard, uh, because the, the space held is not, one of um, sacredness 
and safety and uh, really holding the person's best interest at heart. Hey fam, I hope you're enjoying today's episode. And here's a quick note. I wanted to let you know that I will be speaking alongside my husband, Luke's story at the Modern Nirvana Summit on September 23rd here in Austin, Texas. Luke and I will be sharing about sacred unions and relationship tips with our talk, Higher Power Couple, Ecstatic Bliss, and Earthly Realness. Other speakers who will also be at the Modern Nirvana Summit, of course, all three of the Modern Nirvana co-founders, actress Kat Graham, Emmy Award-winning journalist and healer Frank Elleridi, and breathwork master Ikar Wood. Also there, Guru Dev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, Dave Asprey, DJ Shivarasa, and side note, Shivarasa, Frank, and Kat have all been guests here on Ceremony Circle Podcast, so be sure to find their episodes if you want to get to know them more. And tickets to the Modern Nirvana Summit, they are available at modernnirvana.com. And we are going to hook you up with a Soul Fam discount. So be sure to use the code Luke Allison. That's all one word, taking both Luke's name and my name and putting it together. That's code Luke Allison, L-U-K-E-A-L-Y-S-O-N. I spell my name a little unique. So Luke Allison, put that in at checkout and you will receive 15% off your tickets. I cannot wait to see some of you in person soon. Back to the episode. The space gets overused, that word, the space, because spaciousness is like, it goes forever, spaciousness. Right. But a container, container. Or, or holding the space right. isn't spaciousness without boundaries. Right. So can you explain that a little bit more, how you see it and what it really means to, quote, hold the space? Yeah. So let's say... Um, Let's say it's a, a, a group guided shamanic journey um, uh, that don't that doesn't in, involve plant medicines. Or I could also even give the example of that. That when when you are given the, the responsibility and people are coming to sit with you to, and they trust and and trust you to guide them into facing perhaps what could be the greatest epiphanies and, and life-changing components within themselves. No pressure. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and also, right. And to also, um, you know, be allow themselves perhaps for the first time. I've definitely worked with a lot of people that are like, you're the first shaman I've ever met. And this is the first shamanic journey I've ever taken. And to create a space where, when they're laying down and, you know, I'll start with different practices just to get them in their heart and to get them into a place of feeling who I am and feeling the place that I embody and the place from which I do my work from. And from there, that allows them to begin to let go. Because if you're um, clinging on or tight or, or uh, adhering to, you are just clenching and affixed to um, a belief that you have about what the process is going to mm -hmm, be like or mm -hmm. who I am. Or what a shaman is. Yeah, yeah. Any of that, you're cutting yourself off from your own evolution. So 
you know, even before the people arrive, I have communed with the land, the love and light guardians of the land. I have communed. If it's inside, I have already gone in and cleansed and cleared the space and spoken to the energetics of the space. I have, before I even arrived there, I've actually talked to the land and asked what offerings uh, it, it needs. What do I need to bring uh, what what sacred smoke do I need to burn for that particular day? Uh, you know, I do so many different things before the people even arrive. And then I always, I've never, ever operated any two events, journeys, or talks alike in my entire career. And not a fault for people who do that. It's just... I tune in and live completely by surrender. Um, every group dynamic is different. So the tools I bring, everything I bring is specifically divinely designed for that group. And then I br uh, take them through some processes to get them into their heart, to get them the best that they can to completely surrender and let go. And I have to tell you, uh, just a couple of weekends ago, it was, um, and, and I'm not going to give details just to maintain, you know, the sacred space that was created, but it, I will just say it was such an incredibly brave, willing, powerful group of many, many, many women. And wow, when you bring in a group, um, that is that willing and ready to go there because the specific intention of this many hour long uh, journey was shadow work and facing and transcending trauma. And wow, you know, I'm, I'm drumming um, and I'm, and I'm guiding them and journeying them for that one. We went through the desert and into a cave and holy wow, um, I just, I'm struggling to find words, but the transcendence and the ancient clearing whales and the ecstatic, you know, orgasms and the transcending of hundreds and thousands of years of lineage stuff and the allness that was brought into that container like that truly literally changed the entire planet earth and those, you know, four or five hours of that many people at that level of willingness and readiness, it's, it's, there's no words. It's astounding the places that people are, are willing to take themselves, but that's because, it, you know, it wasn't just me, you know, I was invited in, it was two other trusted sisters. It was their event and they invited me in to do this journey for the, for the people there. So they also, of course, created a really um, sanctified space. But if you, if the people don't feel that, and if they don't sense that you're fully anchored in your divine power and the truth of who you are, and if they sense that you're not fully anchored into the space that you need to hold for someone to go to the time where they were gang raped or, mm -hmm. you know, the scariest thing that they are willing to invite in to face again and bring it forward so that that gremlin isn't fucking clawing at their back and lurking at them, creating further destruction. They're willing to bring in the, the scariest, darkest moment, thought, experience in their life and bring it head on, face on to, to do whatever is needed to do to finally liberate and heal and clear if you're not holding a pristine space, the soul isn't going to let the whole healing and transcendence happen that needs to. And um, especially, too, when you're working with different um, highest intelligences of spirits of, of plants, you know, there's a lot of gateways and portals that That's are open. That's a whole nother level. 
Because yeah. what you did with these women, was there plants involved or no? No. So this was no entheogens at all. No. This is just the energy and the Drunk. spaciousness you brought. You yes. know what I was feeling when you were speaking? If you as a shaman or if you maybe somebody doesn't even identify as a shaman, they're just a leader. They're, yes. a, tr they're a trusted facilitator of some sort. It almost seems to me, and I'm curious how you feel, doing your work on your own shadows, your own projections, your own stuff, yeah. your own fill in the blank, anything other than love. If you bring that to the space, then you're putting your stuff in the space. So in other words, what makes a good shaman or what makes a good facilitator is actually that they've gone to the depths of their own soul. They've really gone to the pulpit, to the altar, to God, God's self, and said, please allow me to do this work. Show me every single thing about myself that is not loving, that might actually harm other people that yes. are coming to my space for help. Yes. That to me seems like the true definition or, or the essence of holding space. Yes. But how you arrive to the space is actually the real work. Like all the ways yes. that you cleared the space, you connected with earth and you did all those things. It's, it's, it's powerful and it's important. Mm -hmm. But all the work that you did, that's actually what allowed you to hold this space. It was your experiential learning mm -hmm. that allowed you to, quote, hold the space. Does that resonate? What do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, totally. Um, because, again, I, I have been humbled <laughs> so many times on this path. And I'm grateful for every time that it happened, um, the humility that, that doing this work has brought into my being and into my life. And I, and I truly understand that I am here to be of service in whatever way that is to look and express. And there's been countless times where before a gathering event, whatever, when I'm doing my tuning and accessing in to receive the flow and dynamics and functionality that that thing is supposed to have, so many times I have been shown what I'm supposed to speak to, um, how I'm supposed to say it, the theme. And I'm like, oh my God, these people are going to hate me because it's like, I can tell that I'm going to bring in a medicine that's necessarily triggering to, to conjure, to evoke, or, um, it's not going to be like, you know, some people, um, and I'm not saying that it can't be this sometimes, but some, some people might have the perspective of like, oh, cool, the shaman's going to be here. And I hear they work with animals, but like, yeah. you know, they, they don't yet have the full, um, capacity and capability of understanding, um, the, the depth of that. So it might on the surface seem just like, a kind of cool like kitschy novelty. thing. Yeah. Novelty thing. Like yeah. hire the clown to come to the party, <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't think that, but I could, I could see how people might think that if they weren't interested or called, if you will, yeah. to healing oneself or to yeah. learning about oneself. Yeah. And then I'm being told, like, I'll never forget. It was when I, um, I lived for about 15 years in New York city and, you know, I've worked with many of the biggest, you know, brands on the planet and, um, some big fashion houses being some of them. And there's one very well-known one who wanted me to come in. They were having like a private party. And, um, I think it was kind of more, that was one of the very few events where looking back, I'm like, I don't know that I would have said yes to that one again, because it had a bit more of that clown invitation mm -hmm. and essence to it in hindsight. And, um, yeah, I think they thought like, cool, we'll bring in her to give these little mini readings. 
And um, the readings were not fluff. That was not what I was instructed to do. And it conjured up, um, you know, a lot of depth and I think a lot of unexpectedness for the attendees. And um, so I think it was an interesting experience. Well, I think that's a good thing. They might not have. I've been to many events where there's been people like that. And I, and I feel the essence of what you're talking about because I do see that um, spirituality has become commoditized Yeah, where there's like, you know, this shaman and that person, and this is what they do. And they call in this medicine and whatnot. Mm -hmm. What I love about you and what I think is fucking fascinating is that you've gone through the gauntlet yourself. It's not like your silver spoon from, you know, the Hamptons and, and you've gotten a trust fund and you've unraveled that in for your life. And so you chose to come in on a helicopter and uh, bring out some animals. That's not the vibe I get from you. And so I, there, there's a different kind of respect. There's a different connection that I feel from you, which is why I wanted to bring you on the show. This mm-hmm. is the first time we've ever had, well, actually we had one male shaman, but you're the first female shaman Beautiful. we've ever had on Wellness Force, mm-hmm. right? Thank and so, because I, I really, I take pride in my intuition, Mm -hmm. especially with the intuition checks that I've had to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I feel into you and when I sense you, you're a really great person. You're a fun person. Like I, I'm your friend. We hang out, we do things and you're this rock dash star shaman. So that's why I wanted to bring you on to learn about this essence. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good place to talk about the the animals Mm -hmm. because this is a big tool set. I mean, in this book, a hundred animals. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. A hundred animals. The author that did your artwork, he actually perished. Yes. He, he went on. Yes. So this holds even more powerful significance. I mean, talk and, about the embodiment of shamanism and life and death in the allness. And I'm curious why you chose this animal for the cover. So yeah. why, why did you choose? Is it a puma? Is it a panther? It's a black jaguar, black panther. Okay. Um, so, so yes. So We'll take a moment now to honor William Santiago, the art, the artist from Brazil. Uh, yeah, that bringing in who I felt is the right artist was a huge part of this process um, because I knew they had to be a very specific certain somebody because again, embodiment is paramount key for me. And so the animals that were created from the artist had to truly embody the energy and medicine and wisdom teachings and attributes. And um, so as soon as I saw his art, I just knew he was the one. And then after learned that he uh, is native to Brazil and I thought, oh my gosh, because the Eagle Condor prophecy is a big Mm. weaving in and the fact that I'm in the North and he's in the South, it just things started to just like, this is it. And yeah, very young, only 30 years old. And um, right upon completion of the book, he passed away. I mean, how unexpected, how wild. Mm. And when I got that news, oh my goodness. Um, wow. Was that a blast of some information? And I went outside on our balcony to just honor him and speak to him. Um, just take a moment of reverence. And as soon as I went out there, this massive hawk just just flew right to the right side of my head because we're on the third floor um, in this temporary place while we're renovating our house on this balcony. So this hawk, we're like tree level high and this hawk just flew right over my head and I knew it was him. And um, so he, I feel his presence very, very often. And, um, you know, I did put an honoring statement to him in the last page of the book, and we did make some limited edition posters where we took his hawk artwork, Mm. put it in the poster and then explained at the bottom, you know, about his journey and how he came to me. So I do, I do like to really take some time to, um, thank him because this book could not have 
happened without him. It was mm-hmm. us. We yeah, had the majority a, of the book is the visual. Huge. Component. Yeah. Every single of the 100 animals has a full page, like vivid, colorful, bold um, work of art. And uh, so, yeah, how we landed then on the cover, um, it was an interesting journey. I mean, the irony is that the black jaguar is my core power animal. So it is the one animal that was assigned to me since birth. But I didn't go into it from that perspective at all. We were I was really looking at all of the art and just tuning in and talking to all of the animals. Um, and then once I got it whittled down to like 25 or 30 possibilities and having uh, my publishers chronicle and, and the designer you know, then we'll put them, you know, into templates so I could really get the true transmission of what it would look like. And it was just pretty much this very painstaking, like whittling down process. And the funny thing is, I had gotten it down to like four possibilities. I think the octopus was in there. I think the leopard was in there. Um, and, uh, and then all of a sudden it hit me and I'm like, wait a second. The, the Black Panther spoke and I was like, where's the Black Panther in all of this? I'm like, have we tested out? And somehow it just got like left out of the mix. And then as soon as she sent me that one file with the Jaguar, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a wrap. That's the one. It's, a, I mean, it was just no question. Why do you feel such a connection to that? To the particular animal? To the, to the Jaguar. Well, I mean, it's twofold. One, after my awakening um, and in my just surrendered devotion to like, show me everything I need to see, to tell me whatever healer I need to go to. I was right away instructed to work with um, my aunt, who is a shaman, and an MD turned shaman who I still am close to to this day, Sarah Bamford Seidelman. She's amazing. And um, in working with my aunt and that journey, uh, some of my power animal allies came in. Black Jaguar revealing is my core one. And so that was a very meaningful time in my life because they were the first spiritual allies who came in after my freaking life changed. And so the, the four that came in were the frog, bear, deer, and black jaguar. And I, I would like to give these four examples to help people understand how power animals work if they're new to this. So the frog came in to help me with the emotional waters and the cleansing and the clearing and the detoxification of everything. And also taking a leap of faith, a new leap of faith forward because frogs do not jump backwards. They only move forward. Mm-hmm. So I would take tons of healing baths and call the frog in. And trust me, I had, you know, an entire lifetime up until that point of things that I needed to purge out. And then the deer is heart medicine. So it, it was, it, it's still with me to this day, honestly. Um, it has been another longest uh, teacher of mine and played a huge role in Luke and I actually getting together. Mm. And the deer told me to not shut my heart down because when you go through massive betrayal, you know, after being with someone for almost two decades, like your heart kind of wants to just say F you not date anyone again and yeah. shut down. It takes a ton of work to keep it open. Men are evil men are, that's when stories get installed is through massive trauma Absolutely. so that the heart won't be able to be heard again, which then actually closes off the heart and perpetuates the heart not actually being received, 100%. which is the anti-medicine. A hundred percent. And the elk is connected to the deer as well. Yeah. They're, it's, they're family. So I remember you, you did, I, you asked me permission yes. at, at Carrie's birthday yes. and I was like, yeah, come on in. And you're like, well, I'm really getting a strong elk message for you. Yeah. And so elk and deer, if, if people get that, is there a way that people can decipher? And I want you to finish up yeah. your other animals. But, but, but after you finish up the animals, like, this is my big question is how do we decipher mm-hmm. our animal that's, mm-hmm. that's for us? And maybe you talk about in the book or maybe mm-hmm. somebody just has to work with you. I'm not sure. I'll t- I will yeah. tell you. 
And then um, the bear was also really helpful to help to stabilize and ground me and to learn how to let go. It would come to me in meditations and it would be sitting up against a tree with its back against a tree. And it would invite me in to sit in its lap and lean my back against its chest and to learn how to trust that kind of masculine stabilizing energy and how to learn to trust to let go and to support um, and really helped me because that was such a topsy-turvy frenetic time, scary time. And then the black jaguar, you know, it's, it's really been my main ally in terms of, um, trusting the mysticism and medicine teachings of allness and also shadow work. I mean, just take a second to envision in this moment, if you want to close your eyes and picture a black jaguar walking through a mist filled jungle with its big paws just gently pressing in to the jungle floor and the mist is just wafting around it. And then I want you to hone into its face and the expression and energy that its face holds. And then I want you to tune into its eyes and I want you to just watch it and watch its eyes as it walks through this completely dark mist filled jungle and how it takes in its awarenesses, how it tunes in to what's happening, how it feels. And lastly, I want you to tune into what that black jaguar emits. What does it show you about how it lives? And a lot of what you just picked up on is me, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very embodied with that black gyro medicine and it, and it's one of its ultimate teachings is reclamation of spiritual gifts and power, which at that point was everything that was happening to me. You know, what I was feeling from the Jaguar what? was primal rage, primal survival, primal, um, murder mm. like because that's ju the jaguar is the apex predator yeah nobody fucks with the jaguar mm. i mean what's gonna hurt a jaguar mm. i don't know not much mm -hmm. and then on the other side of it the jaguar doesn't eat more than it can it doesn't kill more than it can eat mm -hmm. so there's this sacredness to the jaguar but there's also this like primal respectable yeah keep your distance as well yeah, but that, but that animal, um, why for you did that resonate so much? Because there's a deep duality with a jaguar. It's not like it's an elephant. Elephants just, you know, they protect their young and if they want to protect, they will, mm -hmm. but they're not like an apex predator, mm -hmm. like a, like a jaguar. So what, what drew you to that from that duality standpoint of the archetype of that jaguar? I, I wasn't necessarily drawn in, you know, it revealed to me, um, but let me, no one's asked me that. So hang on. Well, it's, it's a little bit about, you know, the, the fierceness that it has, it's just because it's so rooted in its own understanding, you know, of its own purpose and capabilities um, it's so rooted and embodied in its understanding of its own prowess and purpose and how it's supposed to function and when it's supposed to not, when it's supposed to just lurk 
and be off to the side observing and just even laying and just simply being and transmitting from just being. And when it knows it's called to go in um, for a whole, you know, cycle of death, rebirth and, and, and destruction through, you know, being the predator that gets the, gets the prey. It's, um, and, and with that, (laughs) that's a, that's a really specific power that it holds, you know, and it, and, and it can feel intimidating, but it's, it's only fierce and intimidating because it's just so rooted in the knowingness of, of, of who it is and what it's supposed to do and how it's supposed to function. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a fierceness or a, a scariness from a place of like, um, you know what I mean? It's, I don't know how to put it into words necessarily. I, I get you. It's, it's like not doing anything from a form of violence that's ungrounded in anything other than what it truly deeply needs. Yeah. So any violence that comes from the animals because it actually is, is needing to perform that violence so that it gets its sustenance, right? Like they're not get, a, a jaguar is not going to kill an animal and just leave it for dead. Right. And also like if a jaguar enters into like a village or, or even just energetically in a journey, I mean, it can bring a, a, a dose or a blast or just a feeling of like, whoa, whoa. The reminder of death. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what's, what's going mm. on in there? Like, do I, but yet it has this, this magnetism and this embodiment that also allows you to trust and lean in. But, you know, if you lean in and you feel it again, it's, um, yeah, it carries with it a big energy. What, what of the predator in the Jaguar do you see within yourself? Hmm. That's a really good question. Hang on. Let me see if anything comes in. Predator. Okay. Hmm. Mm. It's that piece that we, that we've touched on around me understanding the assignment of, um, as a medicine person, it's, it's, it's not about, you know, necessarily being liked, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes the medicine, can be hard to swallow and it can, and it cannot taste good. Um, and it can be really triggering, but there is that, I mean, the, the, the word predator isn't maybe totally aligned, but it's more about the process that comes Mm -hmm. with the pounce that then, um, creates an understanding of what needs to die off within oneself to transcend or be reborn. You're a predator for people's unhealed shit. Yeah. So, so you're in the process of, of predation, which is going and completing a death process. So you're helping people. That's, that's my experience. Yes. And tell me if that's different for you. You're, you're actually going in, helping them go into themselves because that's really from the spaciousness you hold, yes. which is a byproduct of the work you've done. Yes. And then once that death process happens, you can hold them like maybe a jaguar would hold its young, right? Right, because jaguar is also love. There's death and there's love with jaguar. Yeah, it's big. And the, one of the things, um, you know, that I've really had to try to keep in check because my seer gifts are so strong with people's shadows and blind spots. I have to try to make sure that that's not the only thing 
that I'm seeing in people because it's so pronounced. Yeah. Um, and I'm someone who does have a lot of healthy boundaries and like keeps a certain energetic space. And uh, yeah, it can create a situation where it's like, I perhaps maybe don't really want anyone other than a couple of few folks um, close to me if I don't also allow myself to see the other side of them too, you know, because the other, the, the murkiness and the muck is so pronounced. Mm-hmm. So that's been one of the intriguing um, aspects of navigating this gift. So uh, why the number a hundred? Because there's many different more yeah. animals than a hundred. So that's my first question. And then how do people practically use this right. book? Cause it's a beautiful book. I mean, I'm like, that could be on a billionaire's coffee table. Like it's a really beautiful book. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted it to, to, yeah, sit in any fancy schmancy place, but I also, and I noticed, hold on yeah, for this camera, hold it up to yourself. Yeah. It actually matches your garment. Yes. There's, you know, there's a nice flow there where it matches your garment. Totally. Well, the intriguing thing is, Oh, hold it up higher. Hold it up more. Right there. Okay. Got it in frame now. Um, okay, and go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and action. But um, the funny thing is after I got done with the book, I was kind of getting tired with my style and I was really tuning in. I was like, what's the next vibe I want to go with? And I don't <laughs> even remember how I stumbled upon it, but it's this clothing line that also just happens to be out of Brazil. And it also didn't, the dots didn't connect till the clothes arrived and I started putting them on and I was in uh, the beginning stages of the book promotional period. And I was like, wait a second. I'm really coordinated with the book promo right now. But anyways, um, so yeah, 100, it just, it's just what felt whole and Mm. right. And, you know, I would not be mad at Animal Power Volume 2 and just do another, you know, and just keep the whole encyclopedia growing. So let's talk about the the practicality of this, because in the book, is there a way for people to tune in and decipher what animals theirs or... Do you have a program or a teaching Mm -hmm. that guides them? Because a lot of people might look at this and they might be like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. But where do they go with besides just the novelty and the joy? And really, it's like fun. It's like, oh, let me see what animal Mm -hmm. I'm connected to. Yeah. How do they practically pick the animal that's theirs? Totally. So my most recommended way, especially if you're wanting to call forward your core power animal, the one that's been assigned to you for your entire life, it's a very sacred meeting. And if you've not done that yet, my most recommended way is to do a true guided shamanic journey. And you can, I have that for free. If you um, pre-order the book from my website, there's just a little form and then you'll get emailed to you a video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate where I take you into the realm to call um, your power animal forward. And in that journey, you teach people what animal or animals. Yes. Stick with them, resonate. Yes. And, and you can do the journey at different times in your life. And depending upon what you're going through, if you need different types of guidance, a different animal will come in. Um, If you're someone who already has a meditation practice, uh, you can simply sit in meditation and, and call for the animal that wants to reveal to, you know, most serve you in your life right now to come forward. And, you know, everyone receives the, the messages differently. You might get a picture of one in your mind's eye or hear, hear the word in your ear, but then this is a, you know, your reference guidebook. Then you go to the book and you turn to, let's see what opens to the crab and you're like, um, oh, some of the 
key keywords for crabs, sensitivity, emotional, new directions, guardedness, mm. introversion. And then there's all these energy medicine messages um, that, that are, I put them in first person. So for example, it's like the, the crab is speaking. I remind you that your physical space is important to tend to. Go through your home and clear out the items that are no longer serving you. Move things around to create new energy. Your home is your sanctuary. So there's all sorts of these messages. And then what is most important, which is your question, around the practicality, I put a power practice for each animal. And that's a different ritual, ceremony, you know, process that you can go through yeah. specifically with that animal to get a deeper rapport with them. And then the other thing too, just in your waking, walking life, animals present all the time trying to get our attention. You'll, you know, just hear of one or see one over and over again. And it's like, take note of that. It's trying to work with you. Go into the book, do the practice, speak to it and ask it why. And then also in dream time, animals come in a lot of times um, through that. But they are, they are the kind of spiritual allies who really do appreciate a good old invitation in. There, there are different ascended masters or illuminated mm. beings that like to come in in a more, um, you know, pronounced way. But the animals are like, I love that they're spiritual allies that also live everywhere in earth. So they're such great teachers of not taking for granted the information and healing you know, capabilities and medicines that are always around us, but we have to return back to that presence mm. and that honoring reverence, um, and take note of the animals. That was perfect for me. Cause my son is a crab. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Cancer cool. baby. Oh, right. So when you opened that, I was like, Oh, I just thought of Nova. Oh. And also what I was feeling when you were talking about the, the animals and, and they're going to shift over someone's yes, lifetime. Yes. So it's not like just because, you know, on January 4th, you're going to be an elk. Well, you might turn out to be a flamingo totally later on down the road. And I think really what this is for me is it's a way to check in with oneself. Am I in alignment? It almost feels like it's an alignment tool totally. to check in with the animals yes. is to check in with our alignment completely. And I am being very honest with you. And I say this, so I have this book. This is my personal copy that I have sitting at my altar. And every morning, I, know, I can't get my copy yet. I know it's whole Come on. global shipping issue, backlog situation. Um, there's somewhere on the ports in okay. the ports or on the boats floating around the world. Yeah. It's a whole thing. So I, every morning I start at my altar and I place the book right up to my heart center and I just close my eyes and connect with it. And I just ask it, you know, what message do I most need to hear today? What do you want to, me to know that will serve my highest, greatest earthly good? Mm -hmm. And I just take that moment to connect. And most times I just keep my eyes closed. And sometimes I'll, you know, do a little shuffle through and stop. Other times I'll just, boom, open it up. Um, every time. It's, it is a incredibly pure divination tool. And I have cried many a time just two or three days ago when I opened to snake and what I was going through and truly shedding this old snake skin and rereading the messages. And then, mm. um, one last thing that I think it's important to share cause it's coming in yes. is I also picked 25 different spiritual teachers and shamans from all around the world to tell a story about an animal that changed their life. Um, so for that day, 
I was with Snake and Boyd Vardy is, uh, he is a lion tracker and, um, mm, I met him yeah. at our friend's house. Yes. He now lives he's here. Interesting. He's from South Africa and yeah. they, his family has uh, the Londolozi game reserve there, uh-huh. but he also has a place here now. And Boyd shares an incredibly powerful snake story of when he was a young boy in South Africa and a black mamba snake, the world's deadliest snake was on top of him, his dad and he were, were hunting to get food for the tribe, the local tribe. And when they were on, um, a mound on the ground, a black mamba was slithering on his body while they were trying to kill, I think an elk. And he told his dad and they had to lay there silent while for minutes, not a few seconds, minutes, this black mamba slithered on and all around them. So he, it was his first initiation, shamanic initiation, and he tells a, a powerful story. But there was that a line in it. That is fucking wild. To- a black mamba. That can kill you in minutes. In seconds. Seconds. Yeah. One bite would rapidly send me to the other side of the veil, he says. One bite. And the line that just, you know, moved me to tears because of what I was going through this day where I opened a snake, it said, that day the snake taught me that I can choose my reaction and that some terrifying things mean us no harm if we allow them their way. And that was the exact, so it's a living, breathing medicine book. Mm. Really powerful. So powerful. And, and a lot of your work is about, like you said, seeing, mm-hmm. you know, seeing things in people. And there was one specific question that I was excited to ask you, and it was about transcending this personal limitation, the limitations that are self-imposed, maybe parental, maybe generational. I don't, I don't think that all of my stuff is all of my stuff. I mean, it is my stuff because it's here. Mm-hmm. So otherwise it wouldn't be my stuff, but the origin of limitations It's totally different than just whatever we experience in this lifetime. So, so you talk about this in your work, whether it's somebody that wants to be a speaker, they want to have a new career, they want to step into their Mm. personal power. How do you, and maybe potentially how do the animals help somebody really transcend, not fight against it, not kick its ass. Because I think that energy just brings more of it. But what is unique about your work and about the animals that allows people to truly transcend Instead of just pretending. Mm. <laughs> the pretend transcendence. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. I, I'm definitely someone who, oh my gosh. I mean, even in just some of the threads of the iterations, like the, the athlete, like the national champion runner girl in me honestly does not even feel like this lifetime. When I see um, sometimes like road races, like people with the bib numbers on, like running by, it feels so foreign and trippy and bizarre to me because that version of me that I have so far transcended from, um, yeah, it's really wild. So I definitely have a strong embodiment of just being willing to, um, I don't want to say push myself because that's not the energetics, um, that I, you seem driven though. I I get today, especially I feel your, your driven nest, if that's a word, you feel my black Jaguar nest. I, I feel your Jaguar nest. So, but, but there's, it's not like it's this hardcore masculine completion. I got to get, there's not a white knuckling that I feel from you. Right. And I mean, maybe in the book, it was exhausting. I'm sure at times to complete the book as, totally. as any big ass project would be. Yes. But, um, 
but I do feel that in you. And I'm curious how that comes through in your work where you help people transcend the limitations and, mm. and honestly get rid of the beliefs. I, we hear this so much in our world of like, oh, it's a limiting belief, you know, listen to Dispenza, do, <laughs> do this mm. stuff. But that's all intellectual. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we can become victimized by our own intellect at times where we know what to do, but yeah. it's not it's not really in our heart. It's not embodied. So what is it about you that that really uh, helps people to truly transcend? Is it the animals? Is it your life experience? Is it the space that you hold? Is it an amalgam of all? I think it's an amalgam of all for sure. Um, You know, it's interesting because I've never really been ever a one-on-one shaman. My work really, I can hold incredibly large containers. Like I think I've guided um, journeys for groups of like 10,000 people before at one time. And Yet what's coming in as you're asking me this is, is lately for some reason, um, I have been getting more inquiries on mentorship uh, in the shamanic space. And so I did decide to take on two students and, you know, it definitely takes a willingness to get unstuck. It takes a willingness to face yourself. It takes a willingness. So especially in that type of container where it's one-on-one and just like, um, extra potent in that way, uh, you have to be willing. They're both so great at, um, receiving an information that might be uncomfortable to hear. And, and, and this, what example, it does not apply to either of them, but like, there's so many examples of people being addicted to um, drama or, uh, you know, things like that, where once um, it is being shown to you that that is potentially at play. And then I always ask, you know, it's like, you're the, your own ultimate teacher. You know, this is what is coming in. This is what I'm guided to say, but how does that resonate for you? And then it becomes, because I always like to return people to themselves. Uh, I think it's a huge detriment for people to get like shaman dependent or ceremony dependent. Or even um, personal development where they go from yes, conference to conference totally. dependent. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting with yourself and letting things land and assimilate and integrate is a huge key. And I call, you know, that sacred pause is oftentimes where the biggest work is happening. So anyways, it's, it's, it's a bit of... Um, a process. Yes. And some one-on-one shamanic healings, there could be like, boom, you know, we live in a world of infinite possibilities. So there are examples where things just instantly shift and alchemize and change. But oftentimes, again, because this is earth school and it's on the infinite evolutionary path, it's part of the divine design and part of the process. When someone's, when something is brought to your attention, then it becomes your responsibility and your work. And you will be presented with opportunities where you then, it becomes your job to recognize, okay, that thing, that thing that Allison brought up that resonated with me. Oh God. Okay. I'm in that thing. Now how, okay. And becoming consciously aware that thing is happening. How can I work with this thing differently now? And sometimes it's these freaking mini micro little adjustments that over time lead to a massive freaking transcendence. And I personally have been walking this path and doing this work for enough lifetimes, but enough years, this one, where I truly am at a place where I am a testament to the work. And it took, you know, more than a decade to get here because, because of so many of those micro movements where I really trust in myself. I really live in devotion to the calls. I trust that I'm moving from that place. And as long as I'm moving from here, I'm good. 
Sharon might not like it. This person might think that it's whatever, but I'm good because I'm, I live for great spirit and great mother earth. And, um, damn, where was I going at somewhere? something so good. I was going somewhere so good. Shit. It'll come. No. Yes. What was the question? The question, I got lost in your answer, which Damn. is why it was such a great answer. But I believe what, what oh. I was... Yes, oh, go. it's the micro movements. And so, yeah. so I have been doing this work long enough and seen how my life has so massively, monumentally, miraculously changed, whether it's you know, getting into sacred partnership or, you know, co-creating a, a book with the power animal world or whatever the, ca the case may be. I'm like, okay, you know, as long as you just stick with it and not put pressure on yourself and yeah. understand, you just have to stay committed to the conscious awareness. And the last little thing that I'll say is that it's natural. It's again, div by divine design, if you set a goal that's out here to embody a certain essence or whatever it is, and you're here and for those not watching, like there's a gap. So you're here. That essence is out here. Of course, of course, you're then going to be sent whatever scenario, initiation, opportunity for you to develop and get into embodiment within your own self that inches you closer to truly landing into that essence. You don't get there just from fucking snapping your fingers. You got to put in the work. Yeah. I don't know if I... That's, no, you did. You hit it. And, and I remember the initial question too. It was how do we use these animals and what's different about your teachings to actually give people the transcendence from their bullshit beliefs? It's me, I guess, reminding people of what I just said. Exactly. You know? So rewind that again and listen to it. <laughs> and um, I've so enjoyed this conversation. Me I don't know. Too. We've been going for a while now okay. and I, I want to round this out because... I know that people want to take an action. Whenever I listen to podcasts, which is rare because I'm always doing them. <laughs> I don't know if you feel the same way. Do you yes. listen to other people's no, shows? Never. Or, I, I sometimes listen a little bit, right? But one thing that I constantly come across is I feel like we're all saying the same things with different words mm -hmm. when it comes to loving and loving ourselves and loving in this world and being a great human. And the way that you put it, where you're like, there's this gap between where you are and where you want to be. And of course, the universe is going to bring you these dynamic, hard fucking experiences in those moments. What do you tell yourself? You know, and what's been one of those moments recently where you're like, OK, I'm Allison 1.75, but I know that 1.76 is around the corner on the way to 2.0. Has there been a moment lately that you can share with us? where you felt truly tested, you mm. know, with all your skills and all the, the ways that you hold this space for others and yourself. Uh, what was that for you recently so that we can understand how you work through it so that somebody else might work through theirs? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I have been, uh, like I yeah, mentioned at the top, I, I'm exiting out of perhaps the most initiatory gateway of my life. Um, and it's so fresh and it hasn't fully landed. So that's the only reason, cause I truly only like to speak to things from a landed place, but hang on, let me see if there's enough that has dropped in that I feel comfortable speaking from one second. So yeah, to, I think this is so important to share with this particular one. It was so utterly potent and, um, dark and discombobulating this 
initiation three weeks um, was absolutely one where even with my clear dialed in line that state remained intact, it was there. However, the um, unexpectedness of some incredibly challenging um, relationship dynamics and conversations that came in and because of the powerful people um, involved in that situation, there was so much medicine held within it that even quote unquote me, and even with my strong, clear divine line, I absolutely had to call in support. Like Luke had to hold so much space for me. I had to phone like one out and I rarely do this, but I had to do like an emergency phone, a friend that had like, that didn't know anyone involved and like, could just give me a total, um, you know, unobstructed like an outsider's perspective, outside perspective. Um, and I will just, you know, I, I just think it's good to be honest about that because the 95% plus of the time, like I'm trusting myself, I'm tuning in, I know how to navigate, I know where to go, but there are some waves and blasts and initiations that come in that are so dysregulating and that turn you so upside down that you feel you're in like a clownville world that it is important to have, you know, one, two, or maybe three really trusted friends that are deep on the path that you, that, you know, have put in enough work themselves to give an impartial, um, opinion. And yeah, I mean, to be honest, it, I, it brought up, you know, really, really dark thoughts, not and I, and I feel this is also important to say, I'm not bringing this up and there's nothing to be concerned about with me. So if my mom's listening or like <laughs> whatever, like there's nothing to be concerned about. It was a part of the shamanic initiation that I've been traversing, but it brought me to some incredibly extreme, um, dark crevices to present an awareness of what was clamoring to die off within me not mean. I mean, it was so intense. If there was an eject button, my hand was, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. was on it, not just hovering over, but, um, it really brought me to some, some incredibly intriguing places, but because of my adeptness with the work, I understood I was with it. I was right with it. I was very consciously, um, in an understanding and awareness of like, okay, that was an incredibly darkest of dark thought and visual that came with it um, a few times in a row. And like, okay, so what is in this? What is alchemizing? And what had been going on right before that was um, uh, the goddess Kali, you know, the goddess of destruction um, and and other things. She she came in and I got engulfed in her flame and it was a big initiation with her on that moment, along with 25 others in the three weeks. And then what revealed after that fire was what was trying to destruct and die off. What, what, what was trying to die off? It's, um, it's, it's a couple of things, but it's, it's the dying off of the express, the fear that these two things can't exist. The fear that you can't express truth and express to someone what is going on inside of them, the shadow, uh, without it being the absolute 
demise also of the relationship mm. it, because that's what happened. That was the decision from the childhood. It goes back to that, that like, if I tell my dad what I'm seeing as a little girl, that means that relationship is dead. So it's the dying off of that old construct and that old paradigm to liberate me into the next level assignment that I've been shown for the last five months that I've been trying like a fish out of water to find my way with of trusting. So it's like, I don't want to trigger people because the visual is very um, vivid. So I'd prefer to just tell you uh, when we're done, but the visual was around like, um, you are safe to, you're safe to express. And yeah, some relationships might dissolve away as a result of that, but it doesn't always equate to that. And um, yeah, it was a lot of really deep, deep, dark stuff. What I felt from you was like, if I really speak my ultimate truth, that's clear from projection yeah. and it's my heart's truth. There's a fear that if I do that, then subsequently that would mean that a person I care about would leave my life. Is, Abs that, is that what it was? Or, or anybody. Yeah. But yeah. Of, of course, yeah. The big fear, you know, people closest yeah. to me. Yeah. Because it's tough, you know, even, um, yeah, with, I mean, Luke holds incredibly impeccable space for me. He is just such a beautiful partner and I revere how he is in our union so deeply. Um, you know, and he, he handles my allness really, really well and strongly. Even the collie? That my point is like, there are still moments with my gifts and with the initiations I go through that it still evokes like, oh my God, this is just too much for everyone on the planet. And I'm just going to be alone with these fucking gifts. Hmm. And it brings that, it does bring up that it evokes that fear sometimes that it's just too much for everyone. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people feel that right now. I, there's been many moments where if I'm not careful, I can get kind of drawn into an abyss of sadness for what's going on with the collective. Totally. I, mean, yeah, I, feel, I, just, in my, I feel in my stomach right now. I was talking to you about it. Like it's the amount of freedom that we have here in America. We're so fortunate. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for, for our country. Yes, we have things we need to work on. Duh, for sure. But if you look at what's going on in the world and if you really take a, a 30,000 foot view above earth, it's fucking wild. The amount of pain and suffering that's happening on the planet. How do you, as we cycle down the conversation, how do you, how do you create psychic protection within yourself mm -hmm. so that you can explore the sadness of the collective without getting stuck in it? Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Cause it, that is also taking on some different dynamics as of late. So, um, cause it palpitates and it fluctuates and it comes and goes for me. And some days I'm like, you know, filled with hope and dreams. And some days I'm like, wow, there is so much pain and so much suffering and so much, um, collusion and coercion that's going on in the planet. I'm like, how the fuck can people not see what's going on right now? Yeah. There's so much at play. You know, there's never been dissonance to this level. It's um, the divide is so wide. Yeah. So it's a lot of learning, um, at the same time. I mean, I really truly give every single living being so much honor and credit for being, for being here right now. Like no matter what, especially the souls coming in. Oh my like my son. I'm like, what is he going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's requiring of us, uh, whole other levels of teachings and understandings and initiations and, um, a ringing out of like our deepest traumas so that we can 
be able to hold a stronger, healthier, more supportive, all-encompassing space for all of these energies. So as others are, you know, now or later entering into these dynamics that we're talking about, um, you know, that maybe haven't been on the path for quite as long, there's a different energetic subsystem that's in place for them that can hopefully hold them and help them navigate and find their ways. But yeah, I have been taking more um, diligence with, um, you know, and my practices are really pretty simple. Like I call in every single morning. I ask, you know, I've said it a million times, but great mother earth, great spirit and the divine wisdom, love, light and truth that is me and lives within me. I put, you know, an energetic uh, force field around me. I tune into my aura and I get a sense of like, what is the state of it? Like yesterday, it was like when I first tuned in, it was like almost like a, a screen on a, a TV. That's like the snow. It was like real snowy and kind yeah, of, like, yeah, real frenetic and electric And I was like, huh, that I don't want to label it as bad or negative, but that doesn't feel what I want my auric field to feel like. So then I did some stronger grounding in some prayers. And then when I checked back in at the end of that ritual, uh, my aura was coated in this like really health, healthy, hearty, thick honey that was just glazing down and putting this protection. So I think tuning in, um, seeing what the state of your auric field feels like and and trusting your intuition, you know, to get it into a, a hardier state. I take a lot of cleansing baths with like, you know, salts and prayers and crystals and um, hydrogen peroxide and, you know, to just clear out. I think, I think it is important. I don't like to put people into fear-based whatever, but because of the unprecedented unprecedented dynamics of the energetics right now on this um, planet. I think it is important to be a bit more diligent um, with practices that hold us in that line. Cause I know for me, that has been like my one and only saving grace is my clear divine line directed into source and Gaia. Like I, I don't, I, that is what I have held. And that's what ke has kept me sane through this time, you know? And of course, you know, Luke, Luke has been super supportive and some friends too, but yes. yeah, whatever practices keep you in that line. I feel, I feel what you're saying so much. And, and there's, when you went like this, it was almost like this divide between allowing the reticular activating system for me to choose negative thoughts or my default mode network to put me into spins and spirals. Like that for me is the most powerful mental hygiene right now. Yeah. Um, and to recognize, and this is the key, to recognize without shame yes. when I've spiraled. Totally. Because then it just spirals more. So, I mean, there's so, Allison, we could have a whole nother two hours together. All right. <laughs> but we got to get some lunch. I, okay. I won't, right. I won't say anymore. We got to get some lunch. It's been so beautiful to really connect with. This is our first time we've had a really solid drop in. Yeah. It just happened to be on a podcast. Yeah, so I'm like it. so grateful for what you've brought today. Just the, the curiosity and the understanding of these animals. At the intersection of, of your work, the animals, the shamanism, your life experience, um, the ways that you really had to claim your own sovereignty again from toxic relationship and even in energetics with your father. Like you've, it's been an interesting road and we all have our own road, but where you are now today, how do you see wellness? What do you define as wellness? What's mm -hmm. your definition of, of living life well, having well-being, uh, being a person of wellness? Mm. I think, um, willingness and vulnerability, like I love, 
I love that lately, oh gosh, yeah, it really evokes some intriguing feelings. Um, I love that in the last few weeks, I, you know, through the ringing out initiations that I've been going through, being able to go to Luke and, you know, a couple other people and just saying like, you know, crying and saying, you know, I'm truly doing the best I can. And letting people know, you know, where you're at communicating, you know, I'm, I'm going through the wildest initiatory period that I have ever experienced. Um, this is where I'm at. And also, you know, for me, what was right was also saying like, I don't need your concern. There's nothing to be concerned about, but this is where I'm at. This is what I'm experiencing. Um, and crying my way through it and just saying I'm doing the best I can, but letting myself with a few trusted people being held in that like kind of what could be deemed as like an ugly, um, very vulnerable of space. And so, yeah, and, and learning unconditional love of self and, and how to hold that space of, of unconditional love and compassion and empathy for others, especially right now, more than ever before, I think, um, willingness to do the work and, and being in devotion to cleaning up, sweeping up your side of the street, that's imperative. If you're continuously looking outside of yourself and seeing what Bobby's doing wrong and how annoying Tim is and how fucking Sally gets under your skin so much. Like yeah. take a beat. Let's take a pause and return back to going within your own self, you know, because it, that's the real work. If you want to create true change for the world, focus on your own lane, do your own work. And if Timmy and Bobby ever want to lean into their own shadows, great. And if not, like it's just focus on cleaning up your side of the street, being willing and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing yourself to be unconditionally loved and allowing yourself to hold that space for others. I was visualizing like a spiritual dustpan sweeping, <laughs> sweeping all the things into a dustpan right now. So, you know, we don't have to be afraid of cleaning up. We don't. Yeah. Um, it might be intimidating. It might be overwhelming at times, but we don't have to have fear. So or shame around it or shame. And so that's one thing that I feel like was really extracted in this conversation. I loved your uh, coating of the honey. I was really visualizing that what I feel was extracted was this understanding that in any moment we really do have this power to choose even if it feels like we don't. Mm -hmm. And so that's beautiful. Yes. So thank you for coming on Boom. the show. Thank you for coming on the show and, and let people know where they can connect. And most importantly, where do they get this hard copy? You have to get the hard copy. I know you can get it on Kindle. Yeah. But the hard copy is so beautiful. That's where it's at. I might just like stick this right here so you forget to take yeah, it Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personal altar where copy. Where do they go to get it? Uh, they can go anywhere books are sold, even, you know, internationally it's available. But um, I because of that free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate, I do recommend people go to my website. And that is allisoncharles.com. A-L-Y-S-O-N is how I spell Allison. And then allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And um, yeah, you can get the the, or the uh, shamanic journey sent your way. Wonderful. And also you can find me on Ceremony Circle podcast. That's right. You yeah. have a, a phenomenal podcast. Thanks. I think you just interviewed my friend Darren. Oh yeah, Oline. he's so great. I, Talk I, about a compassionate guy. He, yeah. he played the harmonium and chanted at the end. That's wild. I didn't know he played the harmonium. Luke didn't either. So you learn something new every day. Yeah. All right, you guys, until Allison and I see you again, 
We're both wishing you from my heart to yours, from Allison's heart to yours, love and wellness. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, fam, I want to thank you again for tuning in and sitting by the fire with us. I have truly poured my whole heart and soul into setting a safe and authentic ceremony space for you in every single Ceremony Circle podcast episode. And as we are now more than 65 episodes in, if any one of these shows has uplifted you, benefited you, inspired you, taught you something new, I would greatly appreciate with all of my heart you taking the 10 seconds it takes to positively rate Ceremony Circle on Apple and Spotify podcasts, and even share a sentence about why you've been enjoying it so much in the reviews. I really believe in the sacred practice of reciprocity, and as I have given so much these last two seasons, I deeply appreciate feeling some love sent back my way so I can keep this valuable, transformational content coming to you for many seasons to come. Much love.